cancer journey is unique for everyone. It is time to figure out our new normal, and there's no one-size-fits-all manual. Welcome to the Cancer Cliff Notes podcast with Jen Cochran, because surviving is just the beginning. Hi, I'm Jen Cochran. Welcome to Episode 9. My guest today is Valerie Turnbull, a 36-year-old mom of three boys. She's a melanoma survivor, diagnosed at age 27. She works in healthcare and through her journey has learned a lot about how patients prefer to be communicated with. She also is an advocate spreading awareness about melanoma. One of her life lessons is cancer doesn't check IDs. That is so true. Welcome, Valerie. I'm so happy to have you with me today. I would love to have you share with the listeners your journey with melanoma. Sure. Good to be here. (laughs) I was 27. I had this little mole on my arm and it really would itch. It'd be this itch that I, I couldn't scratch it enough. I would scratch the mole right off and it would grow back. So then I'd just keep doing this cycle scratch it off. I asked doctor a couple times and they said, oh, that's a little mole. It's it's nothing. This mole just continued to scratch and I'd scratch it off. I had a, a baby and then he was four months old, really colicky. I brought him in. My doctor had finally biopsied it shortly before. And she said to me, you know, I don't think that this is going to be anything. It's really small, doesn't look real unusual, but we're going to biopsy it just to be sure. When I brought in my colicky baby, she ended up pulling me into an exam room and said, you know, your, your biopsy came back and it turns out that it's melanoma. I was a nurse at the time, so we should, we should know what melanoma is, right? But I I think it's something that you just assume it's a skin cancer, you cut it out, you move on. So I looked at her and I said, okay, well, cut it out. She said to me, I don't think you understand. She said, melanoma is an invasive form of skin cancer. Yours has already grown deeper than what we wanted it to be, you know? And so she said, we don't know at this point if it's spread to your organs or how, how far it's spread at this point or if it's spread to your lymph nodes. Thus began my whirlwind life change of melanoma from that point. I really learned a lot about melanoma. I educated myself as much as possible. It's really interesting once you become a patient. (laughs) I have worked as a nurse for a long time, sitting in that chair and hearing those words and hearing cancer. There are so many things that go through your head. Your life changes in that moment. Especially at a young age. Right. It's something that not very many people can relate to, especially... Uh, my friends and things like that. I was talking about some really heavy things, debating if I had that future to look forward to. You know, they were planning fun things and looking forward to all these future events. And I was sitting there writing goodbye letters to my family, just in case, because, you know, you have to process everything in, in stride. The way that I processed everything is I had to take care of the ifs. And I know nobody wanted to talk about that. Nobody wanted to talk about the ifs. But I had to, to cope. You know, I was pending surgery. I had no idea how far this had spread. They had told me that the biopsy was deep already. So I knew it was deep into my tissue. And they weren't thinking that I'd have a really great prognosis at that time. So I went in and I followed up with a surgeon. 
I ended up really lucky. I was treated completely surgically. They did a wide excision on my arm. They took out lymph nodes from my elbow and my armpit. They skin grafted from my thigh into my arm. And they also took two wide excisions in my chest. I had a pretty horrible experience in the hospital. Uh, the nurse that I had uh, was very rude. She had me thinking that I had a different kind of cancer <laughs> at the point. So it was a, all around a really scary time. I finally got down and I got to talk to my surgeon and he confirmed everything that I had thought. And I went through that surgery. It's almost like going into autopilot. You know, you just go through the steps, you do the things that you have to do. Everything you feel so much more for after that too. You, you just don't know. You never know. 27. I've learned that cancer doesn't check ID. Yeah, so true. I think it's even challenging for our medical professionals, right? Mm -hmm. They were looking at that mole thinking, oh, well, you're young. It's nothing. It's nothing. Right. Not a big deal. It's so interesting you say about the experience in the hospital because I had, I was very, very fortunate because I had a tech and I had a nurse. I got to my room after my bilateral at like 830 at night. And so I wasn't fully awake. So my tech was amazing. She was so good. And my nurse was kind of clueless. Right. I hadn't eaten since the day before. Mm -hmm. And I'm celiac. Well, I got to my oh. room at 8.30. There were no food options. And she didn't understand what celiac was. So she kept offering me things I couldn't eat. And then my tech was like, no, she can't eat that. <laughs> oh, no. But then my tech brought me some things that I could eat. And the next morning, my nurse was amazing. And Great. the tech came in to see me one time. And when my nurse came in after that, I said, she can't come back in here. I had an anesthetic drip that they yep. had attached and she almost pulled it out. Oh, no. When she first came in, I was like, she doesn't know how to deal with my drains. And she almost pulled out the pain wires. Right. So she can't touch me again. Yeah. I was like, thank goodness I had the good person first. Mm -hmm. to show me the right ways to do things. Because then the person came in, I was like, I'm sorry, she should not even be on this floor. This is right. for people that are having this surgery. How are these foreign things to her? Right. And, and I don't think that people always put into account what kind of experience that is for the patient going through that. You know, you have to put yourself in their shoes and you have to understand that everything is on edge. You know, you're nervous already. This is tr a traumatic experience. You really have to be a compassionate person to work those kind of scenarios. Absolutely. And I'm sure as a nurse, you have seen many situations where you can now have that empathy. Mm -hmm. Oh, definitely. It's so interesting. And there have been so many times in my journey where I'll come in with a side effect or something and be told, oh, that's not normal. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, it's happening and it has to be addressed. I'm sorry that I don't fit in the box. I see that in medicine a lot, too. There's so many people that don't present in a stereotypical way. My mole should not have been melanoma. I mean, those words came from my, my doctor, you know. It looked normal. 
but I knew it wasn't normal. And it took convincing to get them to actually take that biopsy. So I'm thankful every day that I did stay top of that and keep crying because I don't know that it would have been taken care of on its own because it just presented in such a normal fashion. It's so interesting. A cousin of mine had lymphoma when was 27 when she was diagnosed, but getting that diagnosis was really hard. Mm-hmm. It was mm-hmm. really hard to get to that place. And Even when I was going through my diagnosis, I was 43. I'd seen my doctor. My physical was off the charts good. You're good. Go whenever. Something in the back of my mind had been saying, go, get a mammogram, get a mammogram, get a mammogram. And I went. And then I called her when they were scheduling my MRI. Mm -hmm. And I said, I need this order called in. Like, I cannot wait. I can't fight with your office again. Because I fought with them to get the ultrasound order. And I said, I've seen the ultrasound. I need the MRI. Like I, and she only works two days a week. Yeah. I need you to do the thing. And she Mm -hmm. was like, well, I think the radiologist is overreacting. Oh my. Anything. And I was like, that's great. Thanks for your opinion. Call the order. Yeah. I still want the test. She called me with the results from a conference, left me a message. Um, this is my cell phone number. If you don't reach me, bad, but I'll call you back right away. And she, the first thing that she said was, I'm so sorry. And I was like, it's okay. I knew that this is what we were looking at. And she was like, I didn't, I didn't see it. You're young. You're super healthy. This isn't a thing. Yeah. And thank goodness that you were so persistent because now a lot of people hear one word from their medical provider and that's where they stop. And so... You know, you wanted to have that mammogram done and it had become an issue. A lot of people would have just dropped it there and said, you know what, I'll do it next year and put it off. We're our own best advocate. Absolutely. People really have to stand up for themselves sometimes, especially just knowing your norms, any changes. Absolutely. And I think knowing your body too and being willing to advocate. In some ways, I think this is generational. But a, a lot of times I feel like people are like, well, the doctor said, so I should do. It's like, okay, well, how, how do you feel about that? <laughs> I don't know. Well, the doctor's a human. I was on a medication for a year and a half that I was allergic to. And I kept saying, something's wrong. Like something's really wrong with me. And it wasn't until I really pushed back and then I figured it out. I was like, nope, I'm done. If you have an alternative, that's fantastic. Otherwise, you tell the doctor I'll see him in September. Right. But if I hadn't figured it out and I hadn't said, no, I'm not putting my body through this anymore. I would still be on that medication really unhappy. Right. Right. And sometimes they don't know, you know, absolutely. Sometimes that's the issue is they can't pinpoint what has changed to make those changes. Sometimes uh, side effects from medications can seem like just a normal daily occurrence, you know, something as simple as I have this rash or, you know, those symptoms can really compound and make it hard for them to pinpoint and people on multiple medications too that's really tough yeah it is it's it's knowing your body and so many people don't we are more (laughs) connected to our electronic devices than we are Mm -hmm. to our own bodies or to other humans truly right yeah that's I believe in that for sure I think it's it shows when you talk to kids so I've 
I have three little boys. Sometimes if they're sick, I'll say, you know, what, what's bothering you? What hurts? It's really hard for, for them to relay to me what, what's bothering them. The other day, my son came in and said, Mom, my throat hurts. I said, your throat hurts? And he said, yeah. And I said, Is, does it hurt all the time? What's going on? And then he goes, well, it's not really my throat. <laughs> my chest, my chest hurts when I swallow, and then my chest hurts when I cough. And I said, well, is it your throat? Because where is your throat, you know, point? <laughs> where is your chest? What hurts? Just trying to pinpoint those things and actually make him think about his own body and what he's feeling. Because that's something that I don't know that we're really in tune to always. Something that we learn. You can learn it. Absolutely. <laughs> well, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about the golden nuggets that you've learned from your journey. Sure. We will be right back. Enjoying the Cancer Cliff Notes podcast? Come on over to the Facebook group where you can join the community and participate in the conversation during the week. I hope to see you there. Now back to the show. All right. Welcome back. I'm here with Valerie. We have been talking about melanoma. I'm going to have her share a little bit about what we should all be looking for, what we can do to stay ahead of the moles and and things that we should be looking at. Well, the first thing is our skin is our largest organ. We tend to take semi-okay care of our skin, but how many of us take really great care of our skin, you know? We should be getting checkups once a year to check our mole, perhaps doing mole mapping and things like that. What they're looking for in your moles is the A, B, C, D, E. So A would be asymmetry. It's not equal on both sides or it has irregular borders. B would be the borders, so there are regular edges on that. C would be the color. Is it a darker tone or is it many tones inside? I mean, if you look at your moles, a lot of times you see it's just one color of brown. If you're starting to see uh, darkened brown spots in there or multicolor, then that's the time to get that checked out. My dermatologist look at mine under magnification as well. Yeah. And I had three, they were dots. They were like the head of a pin. Two of them, she was like, oh, I don't like those. Oh, this one's fine. I'm like, they all look the same. <laughs> it is. And, and you a lot of times don't see it with the naked eye. You do need that scope to get in there just to kind of take a closer look at it. And then the D is diameter. So how big is it? Is the, the textbook that they go by is greater than six millimeters. Again, none of these things have to be bought on. <laughs> Melanoma may not present itself in, in these ways. And e, e is evolving. So is there changes? Is it changing? Is it itching? Is it growing? Raising up? All of those kind of things. Peeling, peeling skin. So those are the kind of things that you look for. Melanoma grows into your tissue and then it spreads up through your lymph system and can spread your organs. So that's another thing that people don't understand. You see a mole on the surface of your skin, but what happens is the melanocytes, which give the darkened color, can sprinkle down deep into your tissues and that is what becomes dangerous. The melanoma can spread then at that point. Yeah, and then, you know, the other thing that I think about all the time is tanning beds. 
tanning beds are a level one carcinogen, which uh, puts them in the same category as tobacco. Pretty shocking statistic to hear. Just stay away from them. We don't need that. Right. You want a, you want a golden glow? Go and get a spray tan because they're fantastic. You know, there's so many other options out there now. I am really sensitive to the sun. So now my vacation bathing suit attire is board shorts with my bathing suit under my long sleeve rash guard. <laughs> my husband's sure. like, oh, 1940s prude. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yep, and I'm not burned. <laughs> yeah, right. It's not washing off. <laughs> the turtles or whatever we're doing. Yeah. Well, most people don't apply sunscreen as often as they need to, too, you know, and sun obviously is one of the known causes of melanoma, but also genetics come into their play there. Absolutely. So. Genetics are such a tricky thing. When we think of things like melanoma, if you if you fall into the Google trap, as we all do at one point in time, <laughs> we almost never look the photos that they associate. I don't know where they find the absolute worst <laughs> photos for a condition, but they're never, oh, this little mole <laughs> was bad. Right. If, if they saw, if people saw, oh, this little mole was bad, then people would be like, oh, I've got a few of those. Maybe I should get checked. <laughs> no, that's, that's really true. And that is what, you know, you type it into the computer and you do, you get those images that are the worst of the worst. <laughs> Absolutely. I think the communication piece between communication with our healthcare professionals, communication within our own relationships, you know, everyone's perspective of where they're coming from really filters and colors how they hear and see what's going on. I would agree with that for sure. Yeah, it's such an individualized experience. Everybody deals with things differently. You know, some people internalize it and they don't want to talk about it. Sometimes it's not even the, the patient that has the cancer. I wanted to talk about it, but I knew that it would upset my family. So I wrote. That's how I did a lot of my coping and how I could re release some of those thoughts that I did have because I was looking out for them more than anything. I was the patient, but I was trying to protect my family. So I asked friends to look out for my family members, worried about them, and needed to take care of that. Absolutely. And it's interesting because our family reacts in different ways as well, you know, wherever they're coming from. My surgery was sort of the starting point for me in my journey. And while it wasn't going to be nothing, I mm -hmm. didn't feel like it was going to be really hard. And yeah. my mom was like, well, I'm going to come down and be there through your surgery. And I was like, no, thank you. <laughs> I absolutely understand. Like, I know this is coming from the absolute best place of love, but it's going to actually be work for me if you're mm -hmm. here for several weeks. I'm not going to feel like I can go take a nap. Right. If I need to take a nap. If I need the help, I will tell you and you can come. We saw them before. So I said, yeah. we'll come on this vacation that we weren't planning to go on. Like, we'll do that and spend time together. And then if we need you to come, I will let you know. I know that was really hard. She was like, but, but I want to do the thing. And, <laughs> and I let her know I appreciated that. But at the same time, I really, my doctors were saying I was going to be working in seven days. Yeah. 
So I was like, I really think this is going to be okay. So sometimes talking people back from the ledge. Yeah. I found myself doing a lot of that. Well, and it's hard to ask for help when you do need it. That's the flip side to it. There was a good couple weeks that I couldn't shower or anything routinely in a shower because I had that skin graft and that skin graft is so sensitive that they kept warning me, you know, you do not use your arm right now. You have to let the skin graft heal in there. Otherwise, you'll have to go through this again. There was a month that I didn't hold my baby because I, I couldn't. I had to ask for help in the shower and little things that you do on a daily basis that you just take for granted. All of a sudden, I couldn't do by myself. And man, what a humbling experience to have to ask for help. Yes, absolutely. A friend of mine was having a similar surgery to mine. And we went out to dinner the week before and she had a friend coming in to help her. And I was like, okay, you're gonna need shower help. That's a thing. Mm-hmm. It is. And I didn't know. That was one of the things I'd say I wasn't really prepared for. So there's the pieces that they don't prepare you for you're going to need help with. Mm-hmm. And then just asking for help. We have a definite challenge in society today, I think, of that whole idea of going it alone. We're independent. <laughs> and really, it does take a village. Like we all at some point in time need help. If there's one message that I can get out to people, it's asking for help is is important. I feel like that actually shows your independence, that you can say, I can do these things, but I need help with this thing. Yes, learning that that's okay. It's okay to ask for help. I think that people should be more open to that in their lives. Yes. Mm-hmm. We have definitely shifted away from that. People will offer to help, but they don't really yep. know how to help. They don't know what that means. They'll say, yeah. I, I want to help. And they do. People do really, truly want to help. Mm-hmm. So sometimes just having that list of places you like to eat so that you can get some gift cards and then you can control your food. And Yeah, those are, those are great things for people to be able to do because they do they want to do something yeah you know and a lot of times we limit them we limit them several people recommended me for house cleaning for okay. my surgery there's many many house cleaning services in the area that do cleaning for a reason which is specifically breast cancer but may brigade angels now which is for anyone going through a personal traumatic time where they need support and I was like no I'm good I don't (laughs) need that I'm not gonna be down that long someone else is more in need Sure. Then when I got to the other side, I was like, no, it's totally okay for me to accept that. It's totally okay for me to receive that. But just that realization of, oh, (laughs) maybe I am a person this was intended for and it's okay for me to accept that. Right. I think one of the best things that I got was my, my mom came with a big fluffy, fuzzy, cuddly robe. I think I laid under that robe for, for quite some time in my healing process. You know, just tea, just the small comforting things. Because people always want to know, what what can I do? And it's those 
comfort measures that mean so much at that time. Absolutely. We were talking during the break about how our healthcare professionals sometimes look at us differently now. Yeah, definitely. You, you go in and you have something wrong with you, say it's just a basic cold, and in our heads already, it, it's always something that kind of lingers. It's always back there, even if it's not something that you're going to acknowledge. But man, I've got this cold uh, in the back of your mind. There's that little, I wonder if this is the cancer back. But then you go into the, the doctor's office and when we're explaining our symptoms to them, they're still thinking about the cancer diagnosis at that same time too. Moving forward, everything, every little thing that happens to you also could be cancer. And so all of your office visits moving forward have changed. They're all different. Everything is, is always questionable from that point. And sometimes you just want to be back to that normal person that never had cancer and could just go in for an office visit for a cold. Yeah, I can <laughs> absolutely relate to that. After having experienced so many people saying, oh, it's fine. You're healthy. There'll be no problem. Now everyone's like, hmm. Yes, you can see the look on their face. You know, you you know it. You can read it in people. They're thinking deeper than just surface areas. I ended up with a Bell's palsy and I had some facial droop and I ended up going into the emergency room because, you know, the, the Bell's palsy you, you can think of as like stroke symptoms. Right. And so I had some weakness on the side of my face and in the ER, the doc had said to me, we are going to do a CT scan just because of your history with cancer. We need to make sure that there's nothing going on there. And it was nothing. It was the Bell's palsy. And it's so hard to have to go through more testing because of that history too. You know, there's, there's so much that goes into it. And, and once you become a cancer patient, it never leaves you. On the one hand, I'm always grateful for the test because I'd rather have the test. Because then I know. Mm -hmm. You have questioned it before. Yeah. Would I have questioned it before? Uh, you know, I think it just depends on the situation. Uh, about a year mm -hmm. out of treatment, I ran an endurance event down in Disney, and it was a four-day event. A 5K, a 10K, a half marathon, and a marathon. Wow. So I was on tamoxifen, unbeknownst to me, having a bad reaction to it, but kind of keeping that reaction at bay because I was training for this event. Mm -hmm. So I was doing a lot of cardio. So yeah. I was pushing that stuff through my system pretty quickly. I had stopped on the marathon day about halfway through. My calf was bothering me. So I stopped and put some Biofreeze on it. And I put the gloves on and I pumped it out of the thing and I put it on my leg. And I was like, oh, I just have to get through this next 12 miles and I'm good. <laughs> put the stuff on. Well, then I get back and the next day my leg's still hurting. And I'm thinking, well, I just did this crazy thing for four days and it was a lot of time. And we were down in Florida for a few more days. Mm -hmm. I was taking some Advil and that would keep it at bay. It would swell during the day and then go down at night. The last morning we got up, we were getting on a plane. My ankle was swelled. Okay. And I was like, huh, well... My ankle's kind of been swelled every day, but it's been going down at night. So I get home, I walk in the house, I change my clothes. I come downstairs and I'm like, I'm going to the emergency room. I'll be back in a bit. Yeah. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> I was like, yeah. I'll be back. I'll call you. 
no big deal. Uh-huh. And I walked in and I was like, look, I did this endurance event. I think that I just have either I have a shin splint or, but I'm on tamoxifen. And they were like, they took one look at my leg and they're like, yep, we're going to check you for a blood clot. Sure. So I was like, great. So they checked yeah. both legs, not just the one. Mm-hmm. And the yeah. tech was like, before we leave this room, I'm going to tell you if you have a blood clot. I was like, great. She checked me. Yeah. She's like, nope, you're good. Something's going on, but it's not a blood clot. Yeah. Great. <laughs> yeah. I was like, it could be. So rather than worry about it, and it turned out I had a cellulitis. Oh, okay. Okay. So the doctor came back and was like, so good news, no blood clot, but I think you have a cellulitis. So we're going to treat you for the cellulitis. And she's like, it's red. But it wasn't like typical cellulitis looking. It didn't uh-huh. have the map-like borders. Like it didn't, it didn't look like the picture that would be so right. <laughs> She's like, I'm going to give you antibiotics. And if it's not better in 24 hours, go see your GP and let them know. So I was like, mm-hmm. okay, great. Which I had no idea it was cellulitis. Didn't look like cellulitis. Didn't act like cellulitis. <laughs> that seems a little bit like a potential blood clot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. They're like, yeah, that looks a little weird. We want to look at that. <laughs> so there's the times where it's like, yep, I'm glad that you're going to do the test because then I don't have to worry about it. Then it doesn't have, even have to become a thing. Right. Um, it's the peace of mind. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. Definitely. So what would you say is your golden nugget that you came away from your journey with? Uh, The the cliche things, life is short, but it really, really is. I've learned so much more to enjoy things in the moment now. I've turned into a crier. It's one of those weird things. Watching my kids do programs or do really fantastic at a sport. All those things make me want to cry now because I'm so proud and I'm just so happy to be here to witness those things. It changes you. It changes everything. Everything in life changes from that point. And so many of the things that we think are so important in the day-to-day just are so minuscule in, in real life. How often do we say, I really want to do something and we just keep putting it off in life too. Every now and then I get this, okay, it's time to reevaluate my life, where I'm at, and what can I change? What can I change to make myself happier? Because I think a lot of times we get into a cycle where we just keep doing the same thing. Maybe we start complaining about one thing a little bit, and then something else, and pretty soon we're complaining about 20 different things. Instead of thinking about ways that we can fix that and change things, we kind of get stuck in that rut. So it's helped me reframe my thinking in, in that manner, too. I'm thankful for the slowdown and the ability to really enjoy and love. I love my kids so much. I love my family and it definitely changes those things. Yeah. Our perspective becomes much clearer. Mm -hmm. I definitely think as we go through this journey, we look at our purpose more and mm-hmm. and we look at what's important differently and i've heard that from so many people that i've talked with whether it's professional changes that they've made or personal changes that they've made or prioritizing getting to the kids event and life is challenging having that 
different perspective on the things that are most important. Definitely. You never know when or if time is something that we all take for granted. Yes. And my my dad said to me towards the end, he, he said to me, you know, why now? He goes, why now? He said, my life is, is right where I want it. It's the best it's ever been. He goes, my job is exactly what I want. My relationship with your mom is better than it's ever been. You kids are growing up and you're getting these lives of your own. He goes, why, why now? You know, and I, I hang on to that statement because that, that's how life works. You know, we don't know that why now. Just live live in that moment and smile and laugh and make other people smile as much as often as often as you can because those are the things that matter yes yeah silver lining absolutely well thank you so much for chatting with me today this has been such a pleasure and as always the time goes by so fast (laughs) thank you i appreciate it it's been a lot of fun Thank you to Valerie for sharing her story and lessons today. I especially love that lesson that cancer does not check IDs. As young survivors, one of the themes that keeps recurring is the need to really advocate with doctors for care. Because as young, otherwise healthy people, doctors see the healthy person. And sometimes it takes insistence to get the test, especially when we know something is just not quite right. Since most of the time, we definitely don't look like those Google images. The other theme we've heard many times is this need to ask for and receive help. This is this week's personal consciousness topic. Your mission this week is to ask for and receive help. But not just that, I want you to feel good about having asked. That last part's really tricky. Often we need help, but we go it alone because we do not want to be a burden. Reality is we can all use a hand now and then, and it's like a muscle. If we never use it, it isn't really available when we need it. So if we ask for and provide help to others, then it becomes a little easier with every asking. So what is one area that you could use a little help this week? Then come on over to the Cancer Cliff Notes Facebook page and let us know how it felt to receive that help and join in the conversation. Have a great week and thanks for listening.